Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We would love to connect with you on social media at a public church, or you can visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome to our online family. Thank you for joining us in our studio. And I say family, even if it's your first time watching, because we want you to know that there is room in our family for you. Now, you may be wondering, why are we in the studio today? Well, we love having you guys be a part of our in-person gatherings. But today we wanted to do something special just for you. You are a vital part of our public church family. And we simply just want you to feel valued. And for our friends who don't follow Jesus, know that we are honored and consider it such a privilege that you would explore Jesus with us. And we really believe that this series could help you figure out what you think about Jesus, maybe even if you wanna follow him. And we believe that for those of us who follow Jesus, this series can help us take the next step in our journey of following Jesus. So what is our series? It's called Intersections. And the heart of the series is this, Following Jesus impacts every facet of our lives as he invades every area of our hearts. I'm gonna say that one more time for us. Following Jesus impacts every facet of our lives as he invades every area of our hearts. We wanna help all of us see the intersections between Jesus and the daily grind. Because let's be real, a faith that is limited to certain times and places is not a faith worth our devotion. If, if, if following Jesus only impacts us on a certain time or place on Sunday, or if it only impacts us when we literally sit down and open the word in the morning and then there's no more impact the rest of the day, that's not a faith worth our devotion. And that's not what Jesus offers us. Jesus will impact our entire lives as he invades every area of our heart. So we want to ask him to give us the eyes to see the intersections between Jesus and the most mundane moment of our lives. So for our journey, we're in part three and we're discussing Romans 12, nine through 21. If you wanna go there on your, you have a digital or a paper copy of the Bible. And as we look at Romans 12, nine through 21 today, I just want us to ask a couple questions, really three questions, but they're all getting at the same root issue. And the three questions are this, what do I serve? Why do I endure through adversity? And why do I give generously? Think about that. Why do I serve? Why do I endure through adversity? Why do I give generously? Or the inverse, why do I not? See, really the root of these three questions is this. Why do I sacrifice to benefit others? Or why do I not sacrifice to benefit others? Because if we think about serving, if we think about enduring, if we think about giving, sure, there's a little bit of personal benefit, but most of the benefit is gonna go towards someone else. So why do we do that or why do we not? So as we think about that question, we're gonna focus today on verses 11 through 13. Paul wrote the incredible piece of literature called Romans. Paul also wrote about half the New Testament. He started a whole bunch of churches. And look, I understand that if we're talking about serving, enduring, especially if we're talking about being generous, that some of you are feeling some disdain because you've been in environments where you felt like these topics were discussed in a manipulative manner. And guess what? I've been in those environments too. 
So what we want to do today is we want to give Paul a chance. We want to give God's word a chance to see what Paul says about why we should serve, why we should endure, and why we should choose generosity. And really, Paul begins in verse 9 as he says, let love be genuine. And in the original language, that That is actually a heading, and that heading actually is setting up the rest of verses 9 through 13, which explain how we should let our love be genuine. So Paul's going to let us know that when we serve, when we endure, when we give, those are all expressions of authentic love. So here's what he has to say about those three things. Verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal, Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So there's going to be an image on your screen of a sloth. (laughs) So when we think about what it means to be slothful in zeal, think about the sloth. Yes, it's really cute, but let's be honest. Do any of us want someone to go, man, you remind me so much of a sloth? Probably not. (laughs) And in the original language, what this is talking about is it's talking about a hesitation, a lack of engaging in something worthwhile. To put it bluntly, it's talking about being lazy. And if you read the book of Proverbs, there are several warnings in this piece of wisdom literature about, hey, don't be a sluggard, do not be slothful. And so here Paul starts off by saying, do not be slothful in zeal. What is zeal? Zeal is diligent enthusiasm. What a combination. It's not this enthusiasm that pops and then goes away, but it's diligent, it's persistent enthusiasm. So he says, let's not be a sloth. Let's not be hesitant about engaging in things that are worthwhile. But instead, let's be fervent in spirit. This is an idiom that literally means boiling in spirit. So to help us get an image of that, I'm going to press start on this water water kettle that I have. And it's going to be boiling in just a moment. But so here's what the title of today's talk is turn up the heat. Because if we're going to be boiling in spirit, in order for this water to boil, what's going to happen? We got to turn up the heat. And that's what's happening. Now, for this water, electricity is supplying the heat. That's what's turning up the heat. But a question we want to ask is, who turns up the heat? If we're going to have zeal, if we're going to be boiling in spirit, who turns up the heat? Maybe one of the reasons some of us are filled with disdain or a little bit of trepidation when we talk about serving and enduring and giving is because of the way the church has turned up the heat. You know, I'm really excited that this Sunday we are launching Sprouts and Roots of, for all our gatherings. Sprouts and Roots runs from birth all the way through fifth grade. But here's how maybe you've heard a church talk about <laughs> something exciting like this. Maybe you've heard a church say something like, This is the Sunday that we bring back Sprouts and Roots. So you need to sign up to serve. And if you don't serve, then they're going to be kids sitting in classrooms by themselves in tears. And that's on you. So you just think about that. If you want a little five-year-old crying by themselves because you didn't sign up to serve, then you deal with that when you leave here. Is that really what this is talking about? Is that really what turns up the heat so that we can be bowling in our lives? No, no, and no. Read the text. Be boiling in spirit. 
What turns up the heat? What makes us boiling with zeal, with diligent enthusiasm? It's not guilt. It's not the church. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, maybe you're thinking, how in the world does this happen? This sounds a little strange. Well, just to take a moment to give a little context. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, here's what happens. He puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. See, Jesus died for us and he rose from the dead. And after he rose from the dead, he ascended or he returned to his father in heaven. But here's what he promised. He said, I may not be physically with you, but I'm going to put my very spirit to dwell inside of you. What's crazy about this is that Jesus said we're actually better off with his spirit than we are with him physically being here. That's crazy. And that's a talk for another day. <laughs> but the moment that we surrender to Jesus because he died for us, and rose again, he literally puts his spirit inside of us. And look, I know that that may be still a little bit confusing if you don't follow Jesus. If you have any questions, text us, 423-665-9317. We would love to talk more about that or any other questions you have about following Jesus. But what happens, what, what Paul wants us to see is that the spirit turns up the heat. And so the spirit is like, this source of heat making us boil. But notice what happens. It says, be fervent in spirit and then serve the Lord. Look, I've had this bowl. I think this is the third time I've had it boiling. I've not done anything with it, which means it's kind of pointless. So this time we're going to do something with the boiling water for the sake of COVID and clean hands. I'm going to hand sanitize real quick. Yes. Don't tell me you don't walk around with hand sanitizer in your back pocket. I'm not the only one that does that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to use this boiling water to make a French press. If you're not familiar with a French press, it is an incredible form of coffee. And I want to give the one and only Luke Bowler credit for teaching me how to do this with a proper ratio. So the first thing you want to do is a little brew technique. This is from Cameron Brewster, no pun intended. That's just really his name. And that's the technique. So we're gonna let that sit for just a minute. What we do is we want the water to be boiling, but not boiling when we're actually pouring it in. So we'll let that set. I know you're at home, but oh man, that smells really good. And so now we'll turn this off and we'll take this water and now I'm going to let it simmer down just a little bit. And this water that's been heated and that was boiling is now going to make a French press for us. If I don't finish this talk, it's because this coffee is so good that I just decided to drink it, pour you a cup at your home. It'll be fine. And if you've not had a French press, this talk can double as how to make a French press for you. Sales are going to skyrocket on Amazon after this for French presses. Probably not. Here we go. So then what we do is we take this and we're going to stir it a little bit. And then after we stir it, we put this on and we wait a few minutes. And in technically four minutes, we'll get to drink a little bit of French press. Here's the point. If I were to just boil this water and not do anything with it, then there is no point. That's pointless. Like, like, why would you just boil water? We boil water and then we use that water to make something that's going to benefit other people. Look, if we just have zeal, just diligent enthusiasm, and it doesn't express itself in practical serving, then it's pointless. That's why Paul says, be boiling in spirit 
serve the Lord. That zeal-laced serving is an expression of authentic love. So the Holy Spirit turns up the heat. The question is, how does he turn up the heat? The primary way the Holy Spirit turns up the heat is through the Word of God. That's why a challenge for this series is that all of us would memorize Romans 12, 9 through 21. Like, why would I memorize? To understand the why, we're going to go back to our set the tone text for the series, our anchor text, which is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And at the very end of verse 2, it says this, the Spirit is going to help us so that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Now, we hear will of God and we think, oh, what God wants me to do with my whole life. That's not what Paul means here. He's talking about the Spirit giving us the ability to discern what God wants in the everyday moments or intersections of our lives. Here's how that plays out. We memorize Romans 12, 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And then on Wednesday afternoon at 428, when we could just coast to the end of the day, when we could be lazy because we leave at five, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. And suddenly those last 32 minutes of the day aren't something to coast through. They're a holy moment of worship where with diligent enthusiasm, we're going to finish our day strong. And that work ethic points people to Jesus. That is an intersection in our daily lives that happens when the Spirit turns up the heat. So know that this serving, <laughs> zeal-like serving, it must benefit others. And so we're going to let this French press benefit others. Cody is actually behind the scenes, our worship pastor, Cody Disney, and so he is going to get to enjoy a little bit of this French press. So, Cody, if you want to come on up here, we can't let this French press go to waste. I know you and Hannah love New York City, so I actually got you a New York City cup. If it's good, thank Luke Bowler for teaching me. If it's bad, it's my fault. And then Mitchell is behind the scenes, and Mitchell and I were roommates in Romania. So I have a Romania cup for Mitchell that you can enjoy that as you're behind the scenes as well. The point is, this boiling in the spirit, this zeal, man, it's got to overflow to benefit others. And that happens when we serve. Now, one last thought before we move on to verse 12. This zeal is going to be expressed differently depending upon how God has wired us. So not everybody's going to express zeal like me. Great example would be comparing me to a great friend and incredible leader, William Vest. William Vest and I were actually wired pretty similarly deep down inside, but that is expressed very differently. I am way more gregarious. Will is way more serious. And the reality is there are people that would love to work with Will that would hate to work with me. And there are people that would love to work with me that would hate to work with Will. But deep down inside of us, there's an intensity in our souls, a zeal that's fueled by the Spirit, and it's just expressed differently. 
And so please, let's not compare ourselves to others and go, well, I'm not like this person, or I'm not like that person, or my zeal's different. Look, the comparison is to what the Word says. We know if we're being a sloth or if we're filled with zeal. That's the comparison the Word gives us. Because zeal lay serving is an expression of authentic love. Let's let the Spirit turn up the heat. As He turns up the heat, you know what else is going to happen? Verse 12, the first part of it says, rejoice in hope. Celebrate hope is another translation I read. One of our core values says we find joy in the journey and love to laugh. And you may be going, how can anybody find joy in a year like 2020? How can anybody find hope? Because as Jesus followers, we have a gritty hope based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And that if Jesus can conquer death, then he is greater than any foe that we are going to face. And we can find joy in the journey that's not hype, that's not fake, but that is rooted in a gritty hope. But the only way we're going to find that is when the Spirit turns up the heat and points us back to the resurrection. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. You know, patience, according to Galatians 5, 22 and 23, is a fruit of the Spirit. Turn up the heat. The Spirit must turn up the heat. The only way that we can exhibit patience, period, is through the Spirit of God. And patience is an expression of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, part of it says that love endures through every circumstance. Endurance, being able to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, Why do we endure? Because the Holy Spirit turns up the heat and He gives us the ability to do so. Let's speak specifically to this idea of tribulation. Some of you may be watching from parts of the world or you may have spent time in parts of the world where tribulation for you was literal persecution and your very life was threatened for following Jesus. Others of you, may be facing consistent injustice simply because of the color of your skin. For others of you, you may have had a close friend or family member die from COVID-19. And your tribulation is mourning and grieving that loss. How do you be patient in the midst of that? Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I understand because I've not walked through any of those specific circumstances. And that's why our patience, it's not found in any one human. It's not found in any person or thing. It's found in the Spirit turning up the heat and giving us the patience to endure through any circumstance. Only the Spirit of the living God that rose Jesus from the dead can give us the ability to be patient in tribulation. So don't look to me. Don't look to anybody else. Look to the Spirit of the living God. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. If we're going to endure as an authentic expression of love, then we've got to be consistent, diligent, intentional in our prayers. Again, 
This is going to look different for all of us. And I'm going to share what this looks like in my life. But that's not to impose the way I'm wired on you. That's not to create guilt. Let the Spirit turn up the heat and lead you to be constant in prayer. For me, that looks like when I arrive in my office, getting down on my knees and spending intentional time looking through my prayer list, praying Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 daily. It looks like a couple times a week, hopefully three, but it's usually more like one or two, going for a run. And going for that run, and it's just me, and this isn't the run with the boys or with Whitney. This is just me and Jesus, and I'm just trying to listen to him. I'm just trying to hear what he says, and I'm really trying to listen more to him in this season. And it also looks like going throughout the moments of my day and saying little prayers. That he's opening my eyes to see the intersections, the moments that he wants to intervene and he wants to lead me, the moments that he wants me to surrender to him so that he can own the moment and not me. And it's just praying this prayer, Jesus, I own that moment. Forgive me. Would you now own this moment? Let's be constant in prayer. It's the only way we're going to be able to endure. And then finally, Paul writes in verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints. This is where it can get a little touchy, but the reality is when the Holy Spirit turns up the heat, he's going to turn up the heat on our bank accounts. <laughs> Contribute to the needs of the saints. That there's going to be zeal-laced generosity that comes out. And to be clear, because I know some of you may have been burnt on this issue, Jesus isn't after our money. Jesus is after our hearts. But here's what Jesus understands about us. And look, we know this about ourselves, especially those of us who live in the United States. One of the biggest competitors for reigning on the throne of our hearts to Jesus, one of the biggest competitors to Jesus is money. And so what happens is when the Holy Spirit turns up the heat in our lives, He's going to lead us to contribute to the needs of the saints. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a part of public church. And he asked this question. He said, how's the church doing financially? And then as we were talking through it, he just said this. He said, you know what? He said, we're actually doing really well as a family during the season. And I know a lot of other people are struggling. So we need to pick up the slack for those that are struggling. I didn't tell him that. Nobody asked him that. The Holy Spirit was turning up the heat in his life. And he said it with enthusiasm. It wasn't like, oh, I got to do this. It was like, okay. The Holy Spirit's given me an opportunity to be generous. And I want to step into that. And I just want to say I am so proud of those of you in our church family who have, who have been going through Financial Peace University or Crown Financial Planning. I'm so grateful for Kevin and Daphne Sprayberry, for Tom and Cindy Bowler, who are leading people through those courses towards financial freedom. Because here's our heart as a church. We hope that all of us get to a place of financial freedom, that when the Holy Spirit turns up the heat and says, be generous, we can do it with zeal. Not out of obligation or guilt or something, but out of zeal, diligent enthusiasm. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I love the NIV says, practice hospitality. It's awesome. As a former football coach, I love it. It's like, let's get reps at hospitality. <laughs> and, and here's what hospitality means. It means that our lives are characterized by open-handedness. It's beautiful. The message paraphrase says, be inventive in hospitality. Some of the ways that we would naturally be hospitable, we can't do in the season of COVID-19 and precautions. So let's reimagine hospitality. 
And who's going to lead us on this journey? Who's going to give us ideas? Who's going to fuel us? Who's going to turn up the heat as we reimagine hospitality? It's the Holy Spirit of God. And it's happening. Tim Wolf is in our uh, incredible leader in our public church family. And here's what Tim has been doing. Tim is actually going to mow for Foundation House on his own. Nobody asked him to do this because Tim has a passion for Foundation House. This is a ministry that helps parents who are struggling become stable parents. It helps families that are on the rocks experience stability. And the reality about the demographic of Foundation House is there's a lot of single women involved in it. So Tim had asked this question. How does a single guy serve a group that's mostly single women without it being awkward? He can mow. That's being inventive in hospitality. Just this past weekend, David Harkins, and maybe some of you guys joined him by going to City Fields and just helping a partner of our church, some incredible people in our community, some of our neighbors, just help with some cleanup in an area that they needed cleanup. They heard it and they responded and they practiced hospitality. Harlan and Mitzi Lindbergh. Mitzi emailed me this week. She's probably going to hate that I shared this. I know she didn't want me to. But, but they were just saying that God has put on their hearts to make some bags for the homeless, include some blankets, some just very simple supplies, just so that when they see someone who's homeless, they would have something tangible to give them to let them know that we love you, we notice you, and Jesus loves you, and Jesus, Jesus notices you. That is being inventive and hospitality. And who, who fueled that? The Spirit of God. We got to turn up the heat. Correction. We have to let the Holy Spirit turn up the heat. So why do we serve? Why do we endure? Why do we give generously? Because the Holy Spirit leads us to. <laughs> and the result of Him turning up the heat in our lives is a zeal-laced, serving, enduring, and giving. So, so here's the challenge. I'm actually going to give part of the challenge now, and then we're going to sing a song that's basically a prayer, and then I'll come back and talk a little bit more about how these verses really intersect our everyday lives. But the first part of the challenge is would we pray this simple prayer? Holy Spirit, please turn up the heat. Would you make me look like this, Holy Spirit? That is a scary prayer. But would we pray that? And as we pray, Holy Spirit, please turn up the heat. We are going to sing a song called New Wine. It's a song that we actually recorded earlier in the season, but we believe it is so relevant for Romans 12, 11 through 13. And a song that's basically a prayer of surrender, of saying, make me your vessel. Make me your offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. <laughs> I came here with nothing but all that you have given me. So Jesus, bring new wine out of me. And part of that new wine that he brings out of us can be zeal-laced, serving, enduring, and generosity as the Holy Spirit turns up the heat in our lives. So let's sing this prayer.